This podcast is intended for listeners that are 18 years or older. Explicit language, sensitive content, and views that are objectionable to some listeners may be present in the podcast. As such, listener discretion is strongly advised. Please read our podcast terms and conditions before listening to Up the Rabbit Hole. So welcome back to Up the Rabbit Hole with Dr. Corey Rushka, sex therapist, and Brandy Enns, who's going to be so close to getting a registration. It's all, look at her squirm about that. The joys of doing this process and <laughs> becoming a registered psychologist and a sex therapist. There's so many hurdles to kind of jump through. And today, yes, we're, today we are going to be on We Help Julia here in the background again, making sure we're behaving ourselves or, you know, filling in all the gaps too. So today, we're going to be talking about poly-swing relationships. Mm-hmm. Not, not polypropylene rope and uh, on swings, but this is a different dynamic. So, uh, and we'll explain with those a little bit more in, as we go forward. So, uh, any updates from our last one? No, except for Brandy slowly urging you to work on that big exam to get her all done. <laughs> pressure will not work i already have it set so you can you know it's all good uh no we actually did an, an update just on the last one on the last up the rabbit hole that we did and nothing else has kind of come up since then we did open up a new website so that would be another one our website is now broken into the new mra section so we have a whole new portion of our website dedicated to the sex therapy so working on the fine tuning of that one because it's new that's the only main thing that I would say with uh, us here. Uh, outside of our group has grown significantly in the sex therapist training group, uh, way more than I was expecting. So facilitate the learning of the young minds, even if they're not so young, but they're still well experienced to teach them about sexuality to kind of pass on that wonderful knowledge. And if I can just interpret that for our listeners, that means telling us to do things that make us squirm. So just so y'all know, this is this is Dr. Havrushka's pleasure as he gets to tell us to look, look up stuff up or, you know, some things are just very, very interesting. Oh, I'm going to start with another one of my old, another joke. So again, some of these are, I'm, I'm running out again. I'm slowly running out of my old jokes because some of them are actually really not appropriate to tell and they would not go well today. Fair. Just because of, I mean, the sense of community and the, and the standards have changed. They, you know, they've changed quite a bit in the last 30 or 40 years. And what you would say, and not even bat an eye back then, is not happening now. And, and I think there's a good reason for some of that, too. It may take some of the edge out of some of the jokes, um, but we're trying to not be, you know, getting rid of a lot of the racial stuff or the, because some of the sexual jokes or gender jokes, there can be a playful bend to it, but they can also be very, very biting. And that just sets a, a bad taste in your mouth. True. So uh, I'm going to stick with bulls because my last one had a bull and today has to have a bull too, um, related to kind of some. So the last one actually, which all makes sense from the, the last joke from our BDSM group to this one, although there's some common themes. Um, the last joke is actually a very important concept that I'll talk earlier about today with the poly swing. Because the last joke had a bull going down and doing them all, or the older bull going out and doing all of the young female cows where the young bull just ran down to do one, got himself all tired and uh, <laughs> the other I'll walk down and go. So here, another farm scene, probably a farmer had two old bulls here and, and feeling like they've lost their exuberance, um, bought a young bull. And so as the young bulls begin, uh, bull begins industriously mounting, 
one cow or after another in the pasture, one of the old bulls starts pawing the ground and snorting. And the other bull goes like, hey, what's the matter? And you're getting young ideas now, he says. No, replies the first bull. I don't want that young fellow to think I'm one of the cows. Oh, goodness. <laughs> so last time, so again, and I'll maybe I'll repeat the, the joke. As I said, the, the original joke was two bulls are on top of a hill, you know, and an old bull and a young bull. And the young bull goes, hey, look, I'll get all the cows down there. I'm going to go down. I'm going to run down and go do one of them. And the old bull goes, no, I'm going to go walk down. I'm going to do them all. And so there was actually an interesting concept um, called the, well, maybe I'll, let's, let's talk about poly swing first, and then I'll talk about what's called the Coolidge effect. So what is a poly swing relationships? Brandy. Oh, poly swing. Uh, poly, it, now they're different, just so everybody knows. A lot of people will think that they're the same, but they're not. So a polyamorous relationship, if you break it down, poly is more than one and amory is love, is mean you're loving more than one people or one person. So you can have, you can be in these types of relationships. You can have your primary partner. It might be a husband, a wife, a partner that you live with. And then you have alternative or alternate relationships that you participate in with other people but then you still have your one main partner. So it's loving more than one person participating either on a sexual, on a physical, mental type of relationship with them, and then returning back to your one partner. You could even be emotional. So some people don't yes. even have sex, but they're poly because it's more of having love relationships and not even sexual. I thought I said that, maybe I didn't, I apologize. Swing on the other hand is a little bit different. Swing is something that you actually do with your partner. So you can either go, you can do uh, what is called soft swap or hard swap. Soft swap would be, um, for example, I would go with a partner. I would play with a, somebody else, but not have um, penetrative sex. Maybe it's making out, there's petting, there's oral sex, but there's not penetrative sex. Um, full swap is when two partners go and will fully engage, whether it be another couple, a triad, one other person in a full on sexual experience. The difference here is though, that you're doing it together as a couple. So you're quote unquote playing as a couple, and then you're also leaving as a couple. So it's a two person thing. It's not one person going off and doing their own thing with somebody else. They have different levels of play. I think there's things can be off limits versus on limits and negotiated. It's very negotiated as well as that. Or hopefully it's negotiated well because that would be what would be a good, healthier version of that swing dynamics. Because some individuals don't communicate those rules right off the bat and it's kind of a free-for-all and then we get into trouble. Everything or goes out of place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, liter literally, I've seen it and I've worked with it as well. And it's, you know, there's not those boundaries. There's not, there's never, um, you can never have enough communication when it comes to these types of relationships because there has to be boundaries set up with, this is what I'm good with and this is not what I'm, I'm not good with. And those need to really be communicated for this to work in an effective, healthy manner. So anything you can think of, right? It's on the okay. table. So this kind of, to me, relates, and it's interesting, I, in your experience, do you find more men or more women want to look or are thinking about that poly swing dynamic? You know, I think it's about an, an even an evenness. However, I think women drive it more than men do. So for example, it's really kind of the women saying, yes, this is something that I would feel comfortable with, like swapping with these people. And 
a lot of a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times the men go along with that because women usually will have tighter boundaries than men do, which kind of yeah. talks about your Coolidge effect. I think the, the funny thing that I've experienced, because I think I agree with you that the women will drive it. My experience is that the men initiate it and then the, and the women drive it after. I mean, playfully, even from a biological perspective, the Coolidge effect, I'll, I'll talk about the Coolidge effect because it's yeah. kind of where this seems to just happen naturally. So I'll just talk about it. So in my experience, a lot of men are the ones going, I want to, I want to try, you know, let's multiple partners. I want to kind of initiate that. My women tend to be a lot more hesitant at first. Um, they still, I think numbers wise, they're still lower than men overall. I think that's why in a lot of swing clubs, you can't go in as a single male because my hunch is they would overwhelm. Hey, there's three women in a, you know, a herd of, herd of men. But uh, in, in, in psychology or biology, even there's a term called the Coolidge effect. The Coolidge effect is, well, I'll tell you a story. I was originally started with allegedly from a story. And I might've talked about this when we were talking about porn, but I'll kind of do it a little bit summary again, where um, there was an incident where, uh, according to when President Calvin Coolidge of the United States um, was visiting a government farm one day and he was taken around on a separate tours and uh, from his wife, Mrs. Coolidge. And as Mrs. Coolidge was passing the chicken pens, uh, she was inquiring um, of the supervisor whether that the lone rooster was sufficient given the number of many hens in the, in the flock. And uh, the, the man replied, yes, the rooster works very hard. And Mrs. Coolidge then asked, really? Like the rooster works very hard, like every day? He said, oh, yes, many times, sometimes dozen times a day. Interesting, Mrs. Coolidge replied. So be sure that to tell that to the president. And so later on in that day, when they were passing the pens and they switched over about the wife's remarks, so the, the interviewer or the them telling him that Mrs. Coolidge told me to tell you that, uh, you know, this, this rooster has sex. And then uh, the president asked or remarked, you know, is it the same hen every time? Um, he asked, he says, oh, no, it's a different one each time, the supervisor replied. And then tell that, to Coolidge said with a sly nod to tell that to Mrs. Coolidge. So it's just that dynamic of making sure that we have an incident where the male um, arousal dynamic occurs much more frequently for high novelty with different partners. And where women have a little bit of that, but it's nowhere near to the tendency of that high novelty. It's much more relationship oriented. And so what they found in the animal kingdom, there is a rearousal of male animals by the introduction of a new female, and it is a sexual difference. And so commonly when I look at the swinging communities, you get my guys going, hey, this is exciting. Let's try a bunch of new ones. And the women will, are the ones in control. But once they get there, my men don't have that same level of ability to kind of function multiple times where my women may, and so they tend to drive it because of also supply and demand, right? Anything you want to add to that? I've read, you know, reports or information that from a bioevolutional standpoint, there's research saying like even after war, like men will come back from war and try and impregnate as many people as possible to kind of just sow the seed so there's, he has offspring, and that's been a big, a big thing as well. So like bioevolutionary, there's a reason behind this. And, and a lot of people are not fully aware of all the subtle nuances that are occurring internally. Like people will just behave and they go, oh, I consciously are doing this. There's a lot of underlying bio pull yes. that influences human sexual behavior that we're not really well aware of. Yeah, because we think we're living in 2021, which we are, but our, you know, biology is still in caveman days. That's kind of where it's at. It's it, 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 funny. it is funny. It is. Now, I think one of the things really important for me to mention about you know, from a clinician perspective is 
you know, poly and swing relationships, kind of playfully, if you can't handle your one main relationship and navigate that really well, don't expect to be able to add another partner and or part, part or party into the system and expect it to kind of run smoothly because the more individuals you have that you have to navigate, manage, and communicate with, you need a really good skill set of communication to be able to manage this well without it, like, you know, blasting apart. And all it takes is one person of that group, you know, three, four, five, depending on how it's kind of running, one person to kind of stop and make a big mess of that whole system. It's kind of the weakest link model. And it happens quick. Like it's it, when you're in that moment, it happens fast and it's all of a sudden it's sideways and you're like, how did we get here? So communication is key in this type of relationship, 100%. Good research, I think, supporting doing similar to the, the BDSM community is I think that the, the poly swing community has also been found to yes. be generally more psychologically healthy than non-swing poly individuals mostly again due to being less judgmental less jealous more flexible um, they have less elevations in psych testing you know clinical profiles and so it's kind of an amusing when historically some of this behavior would be viewed as clinically you know problematic or you know it, it's actually finding to be the opposite this is true and actually that that lifestyle the demographic is doing nothing but growing Polyamory and swinging is is exponential. It's a lot more, more, way more in the open now, and kind yes. of apparent before in my lifetime. Yes, and so it's becoming much more of a norm, and people are realizing that you know this is kind of what we're looking for. Whether whether they're in that living dynamic with an with another couple or or a triad, or whether they're going out and exploring kind of swing relationships with other people, it's it's really on on a big upswing right now. Ah, uh-huh, you see that upswing. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, so I've got questions for you. Sure, let's let's give her for us. Okay, here we go. First one. I have been thinking about poly or swinging with my wife lately. We've been together for twelve years. I have a very high libido. She has a low libido. To keep the peace, she will have sex with me. But I would like her to be into it instead of me just finishing. For me, swinging would help, but my wife said she needs the emotional connection to have sex. She can't have sex for sex. So that pushes this more to an open marriage or polyamory. How should I approach this? My first question is, you know, if she has more emotional connection, I find there is a gender difference. And I think it's not always the case. I was going to look at, you know, more tendencies, but more feminized brain tendencies tend to be more related to emotional intimacy. And that is the gateway commonly to more sexuality. And so my first question would be, how is your level of intimacy in the relationship? Is that satisfying her well enough for her sex drive to come up? Because it might not, but it's a common, it's a common issue that I'll see in, in relationships where it's more sex focused rather than a nice healthy balance between kind of the intimacy leading to the sex and that, everyone's kind of getting kind of what they're wanting. Cause I think everyone both want intimacy and sexuality. We just, some people will start on the sex first to get intimacy and some people will start in the intimacy in order to have sex. Right. So I think the big also difference between men and women is women have a really difficult time separating this, the physical act of sex and love and men don't have as hard of generally speaking, do not have as hard of time. I agree. Right? So when you when you break it down, sex is a physical act. 
is there emotion attached? Yes, 100%. There's, there's emotion and there's connection, but it's actually a physical act and women cannot differentiate between sex and love, making some it really difficult for some women to swing because they're looking for that emotional connection with their one partner. I think it's important to comment on or at least mention that again, we're, we're looking at this continuum because there'll be individuals yes. who are non-binary or somewhere in between. And 100%. so when we're looking at that, we're just kind of looking at our, our the continuum on the two ends. Because even, I think I mentioned earlier about the, the number of sexes that now I think there are out there given my new lenses of genetics. And I'm like, holy crap, uh, my lens continues to grow and change as we keep finding out more information. So yeah, I should say feminized brain people. <laughs> and I don't even know what they call it. Cause it's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's more, yeah, we got that whole continuum and some people follow more on that and different parts of your brain again. So it's like, it's, it's now, how do you simplify something that's so kind of complex yeah. all on this continuum to be able to have everyone be inclusive somewhere on this area. So yeah, it's, when we talk about that, it's, you know, generally speaking, Right. And it's, you know, maybe I should use that, the, the femininized brain, because I mean, you can be a vagina owner and not have a femininized brain and this won't bother you. So maybe that would be more inclusive. I'll, I'll you can even have parts of your feminized brain be yes. running exactly like that and some exactly opposite. So it's, it's very the, the collage of. So being a, a male, how would you approach this if you were going to talk to somebody in this dynamic? I got two hats going on here. So I guess, cause I am a male and then I'm yes. a sex therapist too. So I'm going to be playing with, I'm going to be wanting to check with my wife. Uh, cause I think he asked my wife about, Hey, how's our intimacy? What's going on there? And is this, you know, do we need more of this or do you want more of this? Will it make a difference? How open are they to alternative sexual lifestyles or intimate lifestyles? Um, and what would that look like? So this is about being educated first of all. Um, and how to be able to navigate or communicate that well enough, see if that is a possibility. Because for some individuals, they may be asexual or not interested in that part, and they might be okay if they're secure in the relationship. Lots of times it's about that you know, insecurity that causes some of those issues. So if there's a high level of security, trust, and communication, there is a possibility for this likely to be opened up. I would also ask the age question, to be honest with you. I mean, if they got married in their early 20s and she's 35, 37, I mean, there's a biological kind of timeline that women really start to become much more sexually active and it's in our 40s and plus, right? There's a biological reason for that. And so maybe it's she has a low libido now, maybe it will increase in a couple of years, or maybe there's a medical reason for low libido as well. Or a psychological history that could be related yes. to that. So there's all these little things that welcome to what you know we do as sex therapists. Yeah. I, I want to know a whole like so much more information, you know, for me to get a good understanding of it. Took, could take me at least an hour. I mean, we're pretty fast now, but to, to gather enough information to make a good sense of what's really going on versus the little symptom of this, and let's find the easy out because playfully, I would expect him to want. Hey. I want some more sex. If you can have it, can I go find uh, a group of playful hens who also want to do it? Right. And she might not be okay with that. 
you know, monogamy is interesting because some people really believe in it. And some people are like, uh, I'm choosing to be non-monogamous and that's where it's at. And so you have to really kind of flesh out what she's looking for. Is there a reason for the low libido? Is there something that they're not um, connecting on or, you know, the sex isn't good for her? Does it need to be changed? Is that why she has a low libido? So, so many, so many options. She could be angry and it's been low for a while, but no one's ever checked it out, but she's willing to have sex because it's her duty we call it duty sex yeah religious background what does that look like right. all these fun historical factors that will impact 100 and sometimes we can't just go oh you know um i want more sex and i want us to be poly like we that'll that'll sometimes make a woman go what the heck just happened like blindsided right we don't want to do that so we want to do our due diligence and our homework of what the past is and what they're wanting and what you're wanting and what this could look like you could, you don't just throw it at them and say hey by the way pass the potatoes and i think i want to be poly thanks it doesn't work <laughs> i want to bring a few people into the bedroom <laughs> right. right so really do your homework of what what the background is and what why you aren't why she has the low libido because it might be something that's very fixable I think when I'm looking at therapy, so again, earlier I talked about the importance of good communication and boundaries, and it takes a much higher skill set to navigate poly relationships just due to you're adding in a whole bunch of new variables and insecurities and historical, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, of the stuff that I typically see in, in therapy, these are the, I mean, probably my top seven or eight is Commonly, what I'll see is breaches. So people go into an initial agreement and then someone breaches because either the rules weren't clear or they breached because, oops, I, you know, I felt like it. You know, there's lots of different excuses. Another common one is a lack of transparency. So there might have been an agreement, but someone wasn't talking, you know, hey, you know, how often are you meeting with this person if they're doing that? And they don't, they don't tell, but it could be like every day versus, you know, what are the rules on the outset of what the parties want? But commonly, the lack of transparency, what people are doing or what people want causes more problems. Inequalities, just because if you get that, then I want this. And sometimes it doesn't line up. And so people don't want to either trade or stuff like that. The insecurity dynamic that leads to a need for more attention. So people, you know, now you're going to go out somewhere else. You can't even give me enough attention and you want another party. At, like, so it's, you only have so much time and energy to be able to people. And the, the fantasy of being able to kind of service a bunch of hands so to speak, <laughs> takes time and energy and, you know, where are you going to be? Especially if you have kids, you know, if you have, you know, other family members, responsibilities, like when are you going to fill put this time in if you're having other people to kind of navigate or have a relationship with and, and you have the care. So some people start giving up those roles because, oh, this is fun, new and exciting. And then now they, they move out of those responsibilities that they've had in the past. Another common one I'll see is the drug and alcohol use leading to breaches. So what happens is, you know, the breaches might not be occur. And then while they're engaging these activities, which is new, you know, social, let's say the swinging, well, now alcohol gets involved or people are doing drugs while they're doing there. And now they become more impulsive and what they set a rule on, on not no doing something and oops, you know, just kind of happened to happen because I was under the influence and off we go. And so I spend a lot of time in therapy helping clients work through the breaches again sometimes related to alcohol use issues. So that would be one of my first signs. If there's drug and alcohol issues, drug and alcohol use issues on the front end, it's like drinking and driving. You're just asking for trouble uh, going forward. Another one is lack of rules discussed. And I think Dossie's book 
So SLOT is a really good uh, primer for understanding kind of a navigating multiple Fantastic. relationship dynamics. Yes. Uh, she did a really good job of that. And so it helps you go through those rules, uh, the, the hierarchy. There's a whole fundamental understanding of is there a hierarchy in your system and what are the rules that need to be understanding? And, and there is a there's an ethical decision-making strategy when working multiple relationships for it to be healthy for everyone um, as long as you do it. Um, yeah, the, the last two are, are kind of interesting side effects is careful who you kind of become intimate with because there is a higher chance of you actually falling in love with them and bonding with them. And so what may happen is, you know, what starts out as a swingy kind of relationship or kind of a temporary thing, they now start to fall in love and or bond and or want to replace. It's like, I, which leads then to people going, hey, we opened up this new relationship. Actually, I love so and so much better and I want to leave you now. Bye-bye. And so what started with uh, agreement and, you know, clarity on a priority now changed significantly and off they went. So those are some of the common therapeutic issues that I'll see regarding the, the swing and or poly culture. Any things that you've seen that I haven't kind of chatted about here? Um, I don't think jealousy. Jealousy is a big one. And that's, yeah, yeah, that's covered yeah, in the Dossie sure. book. Right. And so uh, when you're in this type of dynamic, you really need to speak your truth and be able to ask for what it is that you need. And if you need a little bit more extra support at the time, then you need to be able to ask for it. And Dossie covers that really, really beautifully, I think. In this being able to re level. yeah, and re-navigating your rules if they change as they go along the process. Or renegotiating. Yeah, because people could have very, very different boundaries. And so there's always that openness to renegotiate and compromise on what those boundaries are um, and what how it's going to look. And so when when the question comes in of how should I approach this, like that's that's a big question. There's so much, you know, learning and background to do and that communication with your partner, which is going to be really important to have. Great. Let's go to the next question. Excellent. Uh, question two, my partner and I are currently in a poly relationship. We're actually some of the people who make clear definitions hard. I'm not quite sure what that means. My spouse and I self-identify as polyamorous, but one of our attempts at actually living a poly lifestyle ended in disaster. We're currently living with another couple who are both asexual. She's disabled and he's monogamous. We all feel a close loving relationship and he's described our arrangement as a group marriage. It sure isn't swinging, but is it poly? I'm unclear what the difference is between the two. Maybe let's spend some time re or defining again here because for me, it sounds like, yeah, there's, there's poly in here, but I mean, swinging, like you mentioned earlier, is a, it's a different, it, it could be a part of a poly lifestyle, but it, you know, they're, they're different. They're very different. Yes. So, I mean, it, it sounds as though it, it could have that like group marriage type of feel or, you know, looking at it from that lens, but with the other couple being asexual and the one of those other couple being monogamous, that would not clearly state that this is a swinging type of relationship in my books. Yeah, because we have, uh, this is a complex one, because this is a quad. So, I mean, when we're looking yes. at, we have triads, we have quads, you can have bigger combinations of those numbers. And, I mean, it's sounding like it's a poly relationship. On an emotional I'm, not any, I'm not seeing any swing in this dynamic, because it's not like a couple-related stuff where they're going out and they're partner-swapping quad. And now we have multiple levels of types of marriage types within here, because we have 
an open marriage in some ways with a closed marriage or closed poly in others. And so sometimes I have to draw this out because as it gets more complex, every person you add in can, you know, geometric sequence add such more complexity to something that sound maybe simple, but it's actually not. Right. So this could be just a poly emotional relationship. So, I mean, they could be poly and they could have tried with swinging and not, if they don't know the nuances of the, of the relationship mechanics or the dynamics, and they're kind of running off the hip it a little bit. And so it's just kind of getting a clear definition because yeah, you could have like an open marriage on one side. So one person could have access to other people outside of the relationship where the other person may not choose to have a relationship with anyone sexually or emotionally outside of this quad, let's say. So everyone has to navigate their boundaries and the rules within the relationship kind of independently as well as, as a group. And so this one looks pretty complex. It does. But when, when he describes the other couple as asexual, to me, that would say sex is not something that is super important in their lives. And they're, it, I mean, they may be having sex, but it not perhaps a lot, but I mean, there can still be the, the swing atmosphere where one is all four people are playing, but the monogamous one is only playing with his partner and the other three right. are like, you can, you can still have that, that foursome interaction. There's just not a, not a swap involved. This is four people. And the one person may be playing with the other three, but the, but the monogamous one only plays with his particular partner. Yeah. So, so it's, again, you have to kind of almost look at all the rule sets and how they combine yeah. with each other. And welcome to therapy, understanding and helping break this apart for couples or quads when they're coming in, wondering why things aren't working so well, because it's like, okay, we need to draw this out. What are the rules? Who's, what are the rules for each person? How are they going to, are they different for anyone? If it's nice and open and everyone's following the same rules, then okay, those are a little easier to kind of run, but not everyone follows that pattern and they don't have to, but it's then how do we work with everyone's, because everyone has to agree on the rules for it to be a you know, mutually on relationship style. I would love to be talking to these people in person, actually, because I'm kind of unclear where we're at, to be honest with you. Yeah, lots more information. It can be both. So something, I'm sorry, we don't have like a clear cut question, answer for that. It's a complex thing. We need more info. It is 100%. I think we've been a good snapshot on like the complexities and how to be able to look at it at least and they can kind of answer some of that themselves yeah multiple ways to answer that question all right number three i am a male that's 30 years old and my wife is 28 years old we are in a polyamorous relationship but she always talks about her other partner i'm okay with this but i am just wondering if it's normal to talk about the other relationship i have i don't want jealousy to ruin a good thing we have going yeah, and as you mentioned earlier, jealousy is one of the more common issues. Yes, I mean, if it's the beginning of a relationship, it might be, I call it, I mean, there's an old Chinese term my wife taught me. And so basically that high novelty gets really busy. So with a new partner, it's the new excitement thing. So it's a new thing to talk about. And so that could be normal in the beginning. Um, and again, it's just making sure they're talking about that so that we can allevi- alleviate that jealousy um, if it's there and help secure that primary relationship which leads to the hierarchy is what is the hierarchy in this relationship? I assume it's with this person. And that's something that I'd want them to be able to discuss is who gets first dibs, you stand, or the other person who's having some insecurity needs to know where they're, where they stand in the relationship to help 
secure that more. Agreed. I've worked with with poly couples before, and it's it's fairly normal for them to talk about um, their other partner, but maybe there needs to be boundaries put around that of what can be talked about or how much can be talked about. And so it really comes it can come down to a boundary issue. I'm okay hearing about like what you did on the date portion. Maybe you went to dinner, went to a movie, but I don't need to know the intimate details of what happened afterwards. You need to run that of where your comfort level is and put those boundaries around that. So then there is not a jealousy factor. And to make sure you're asking questions about those feelings because it yes. could be, you know, some people I have some like, you know, it's okay if you go do that. I just don't want to know anything about it. But then you're now driving in the dark. And so if that person starts to have stronger feelings and you don't want to know about it, or if they're crossing into areas, it's safer not to know about it in your own emotionally, but it's not safer to know it relationally and or physically because you know, the clear transparency and the boundary set up. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Oh, yes. The last question. What are some questions to ask myself and or my partner to see if we are truly ready to try out swinging? Uh, wow, that's a, that's a big one. Um, first of all, I think there, there needs to be interest on both sides. First and foremost, so the discussion of does this interest you? Is this something that you want to even look at, try out, participate in? Uh, what are your boundaries surrounding that? Do you want to just go like, what if we just looked at it first and then checked in on where our comfort level was? If we can't watch it, we probably won't be able to participate in it. What do you want out of it? Like, what's the, what's the goal? Do you want to be able to grow your, for your original relationship in a different way? Are you just looking to have sex with different people? Is this going to be a we thing that we participate in? Or are you hoping just to go out and do this with other people? Uh, where are we in regards to communication? Are you willing to draw the lines and tell me what your boundaries are, what you're comfortable, not comfortable with, and what you really want to try? There's so many questions. I think, yeah, your first step is, I mean, do your research, do your, you know, read read ethical slap, read yes. enough information so you know what the options are, those dynamics, what to watch out for, yeah. before you even decide if you're ready to try it out, because there might be some things you're like, I don't want to even go this, here's the risks. There are different levels, like we talked about, you know, sex is not a requirement sometimes. Okay. It could be just holding hands, touching, caressing, kissing, those could be those only acceptable terms within that, so it's a little bit safer. At the, at the swing club that we kind of did our um, field trip at they have newbie nights so sometimes people will go to newbie nights to get your information understanding talk to people see what that's look and get your resources um kind of connected within that area and then i have some books that i can kind of i mentioned and i'll send those off to julia to add that like i think some of the good books is i mean ethical slut probably is my my first top one that i think i like because it's really a nicely structured system i'm talking Happy Life in an Open uh, Relationship is one for open style relationships. Building Open Relationships by Liz Powell, who's a psychologist, uh, is another one. Opening Up, A Guide to Creating and Sustaining Open Relationships is another one. Now, there's an interesting one called Sex at Dawn. I read it. And Sex at Dawn, there's Sex at Dusk, too. So Sex at Dawn by Christopher Ryan and uh, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, Cecilia Jaffa goes a lot through the bioevolutionary dynamics and it's almost amusing because most of it's really about animal sex kind of but it relates to human stuff too and how close we are to certain animals anyway it i mean there's playful stories in terms of uh understanding that bioevolutionary dynamic 
which kind of will relate to understanding sexuality stuff with humans as well. They also have a lot of online, um, a big online presence of people that you can talk with before you even meet. So like uh, Canadian Swingers Online, one of the clubs that we had, I don't know if they have refound a secondary physical space, was Aurora. The Aurora Club had an online platform where you could talk to other people, say what you're looking for, kind of meet and greet. Um, Fet life, you can you can get on with with swing relationships. Um, you can go to uh, the clubs that we do have in town, which right now would be Intimate Times here in Edmonton, Alberta. Uh, there's so many different ways you connect with people. There's Facebook stuff, more than two polyamory kind of things. I'm just trying to think of the other web pages. I don't have them in front of me. We we will link those at the we bottom. Of Julia, you know, kind but, of, so that you guys are all well resourced. Right. But that's some things to do and do your research before you even have maybe the discussion of like, so you want to go this? Because I've worked with couples where it has seriously gone sideways. It has, you know, they, they came up with a plan. They went to the party. She was high. It didn't go well. You know, even though there was checking in from the person that she was playing with, you know, are you okay? She want to check? No, no, no. She was just completely oblivious. So it can go sideways. So you really need to have those boundaries intact and the conversations intact and the what ifs. Because, yeah, even your, your best laid plans still may not work. So it's, again, there's risks attached to this. Do you be aware of those risks and, you know, try to mitigate them as much as possible. Yeah, and because swinging is a couple's, a couple's activity, make sure you go together and leave together because that's what you're looking for as a couple's activity, not leaving throughout the process. I've dealt with cases where, yeah, you know, hey, we're going to a swing club and, uh, you know, one party, party takes off as soon as they get in there and leaves the other person behind not knowing what actually is going on because it's their first time. And the other party's like, they're gone, they're, they're doing their stuff. And it's like the saint's this is this is about the relationship this is not healthy for the relationship exactly so this is just a reminder that that swing is a relationship to party kind of thing that you participate in it's not singular okay so takeaways yeah let's hear them i think the first one that comes to mind is poly and swing are different yes one is about mostly more about sex sexual relationships and some people don't even some people go to a swing clubs and they'll have to do it there some will make friends they'll they'll, you know, swap, they'll do single swap, like there's lots of combinations, whereas poly is really more about that relationship dynamic, more that love style, and there can be crossover, there's one, so make sure they are different, and they're unique, it is common for people to desire more than one partner, so most people get insecure when, oh, how dare you look at someone else, it is a natural part for majority of people, particularly males, whether we like it or not, or talk about it, there is a more tendency for this, partly just from bioevolutionary dynamics. Uh, women have a lot more at stake having sex, and therefore they tend to also be a lot more particular, and for good reason. The ones that have to carry the child if they get pregnant, and you know, so there's those some of those natural dynamics, and that's called the Bateman principle for us sex nerds. Um, so there's other stuff in there to kind of learn about. Oh, know your boundaries, know your rules, get well reversed on it before you kind of start playing or engaging in some of that stuff. And there are some pros, they are more psychologically healthy overall, which is an interesting that most people don't know of. I would say communicate, 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 really. If there's any type of scenario you can imagine, talk about it, because it, it can and may happen. And 
on to your integrity because this is about trust. You yes. make sure you hold to your own integrity and in what you're saying you're going to do. Yeah. There will be possible issues that may come up from this. Seek help. You know, get those issues because I, I gave you my list of the issues that I'm seeing in therapy, even in the well-planned, you know, dynamic. So it's, it's, there's no guarantee that it's going to run smoothly. And because you have more people, I expect you to have more issues. Yeah. Because uh, unless everyone is really easy, play, you know, easy and following, uh, which people are going into relationships because they're needing and wanting something. And sometimes they're more needy or more wanting than someone is willing to give. And it's that hierarchy of who actually gets first dibs and how much time and, and stuff like that. Lots to figure out in this type of dynamic. Yeah, and it, it's, it's complex. Like it's, you know, whereas your kink community, the BSM, has such high novelty, Poly Swing has such relational complexity in terms of variables within just the, the relationship stuff. So it's, it's, a different, it's a different system dynamic. Do your homework, buy the book. Honestly, Ethical Sluts, one of the best things I've ever read. It was great. If needed with uh, someone who knows their stuff as an expert or not, you know, someone who knows their stuff. And, and there are some communities for this as well. So, yes, after the pretty bow. So, thank you, Brandy and Julia, for being a wonderful part of this process and educating people about all the interesting things out there. That's good. Till next time, see you guys. Thank you.